Hello, everybody, and welcome to our first remotely recorded episode of Not Safe for Weebs. I am one of your hosts, Emma Fife, joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Christopher Lamb. Hello, everybody. Chris, what a what a weird time we're living in right now. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 like we're in the same room with one another. Honestly, yeah. just the the clear. Uh, dulcet tones of your voice echoing in my headphones. Dulcet, uh, Ooh. yeah. Okay, yeah. thank you. You're so welcome. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, for those of you who can't see us, because you can't, um, you can't. We're because we're 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 in like a very fancy studio right now, and we have like a partition between all of us, basically. Like, yeah, it's, that's it's correct. Very high yeah, class. it's a it's a, uh, it's a self distancing studio. Yeah, man, no, a social distancing studio rather that. Is a really great idea though. If somebody could make that and there were just like uh like separate D- exits, yeah. yeah, and like DMV partitions in between exactly. everybody so you could yeah. see each other but not actually uh touch, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh before we uh kick things off here and introduce our wonderful guest, uh let's go over our fandom term of the day. Yes. What our, is our fandom term of the day, Emma? Our fandom term of the day today is PWP, <laughs> aka plot what plot or porn without plot. It is a term used to describe a piece of fan fiction or I guess any sort of fan work. You could definitely use this term for doujinshi as well. In fact, any doujinshi of the sexy variety probably falls into this category. That is thin on plot and heavy with graphic depictions of sexual situations. People's degree of what qualifies as PWP, however, varies. So sometimes you'll see a fanfic author tag something as PWP and you're like, but there is a plot. Uh, and some PWP is literally just boning and that's really it. <laughs> I'm I'm going to be quite honest with you. I've never seen this tag before because I usually <gasps> just assume that like... I will just, it's not assuming, Right. I will just, I'll just scroll past until I get to the good stuff sometimes. <laughs> so I don't even bother looking. You don't bother. See, Chris, you need to look for this tag then, because this is most likely only going to be the good stuff and none exactly. of that preamble, none of that preamble <laughs> stuff. Uh, but uh, Chris and I are not alone today. Uh, we have a, a a very qualified guest, I feel, for this particular episode joining us today. It is the one and only Curious Joy. Yay! studio audience you're killing it uh yes so uh you might know curious joy uh from her wonderful twitch streams uh you're part of team explosion your uh discord server is always popping by the way i'm constantly getting notifications from it uh in a good way uh she's just just a a joyful human being all around uh, and a particular enthusiast of the series from which the ship we are discussing hails today. Um, she and I were actually seat buddies at the Square Enix press conference at E3 last year. And we lost our voices together. We did. We lost our voices <laughs> together. And and to say we were seat buddies is a, is a loose term because neither of us were sitting. Not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the, the theater it was in, uh, we were up in the balcony and there was like this big walkway between the front row of seats in the balcony and the edge of the balcony. So we both just like stood directly behind what was essentially the control booth for the, uh, the, you know, light show and stuff that they had going on and just stood there and freaked out specifically over the, uh, new trailer reveal of the series that the ship we are talking about today, uh, that they come from. And that is of course the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, if you guys 
uh, don't know, uh, based on a tweet I put out earlier saying we were discussing <laughs> my OTP to end all OTPs. Uh, if you know anything about me, you know the ship we're going to be covering today is Cloud and Tifa, or uh, sometimes called Clotty. Uh, but before we start talking about that, Joy, we usually like to uh, ask our guests a couple of questions when they come on the show. And, and you know, these are things that we ourselves uh, have previously revealed. So I want to know from you, uh, what is, if you can recall, the first, uh, like, sexy fanfic you ever read, either accidentally or intentionally? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm going to have to say the very first fanfic or fiction that I have read was the one you sent me. <laughs> so you're, you're a real uh, uh, novice in this uh, particular field, shall we say? Yes. I mean, like I probably growing up, like when, um, when everyone used to make their own websites, like sure. maybe there was something like along there, but I don't like remember what was going on then, yeah, yeah. but for yeah. memory sakes. <laughs> I think that uh, as far as remember recalling, like early fanfic or early Dojin, I read a lot of it. There, there's probably some I've honestly forgotten because I think that when you first start to come into that realm, there is a level of not totally being aware of exactly what it is you're consuming. Would you agree with that, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's definitely a sense of like, wait a minute, what am I? Oh, oh, wait. oh, what? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh all right. Well then let let's go ahead and move on then to uh discussing the series uh from which our our two characters in question hail and that is of course Final Fantasy 7, uh, a role-playing game developed by SquareSoft. It was just SquareSoft at the time. Uh for the original PlayStation, it was released in 1997 and it is the 7th installment in the Final Fantasy series. Imagine that. 7 Final Fantasy VII is the seventh Final Fantasy. Pretty, pretty straightforward uh, numbering system. I mean, on, for Chris, we just did an episode about Kingdom Hearts not that long and ago. And Persona. And Persona. Oh, yeah, which, which, again, the numbering is just like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, it, it was also the first uh, game in the series to use full motion video and 3D graphics. Uh, though the gameplay was largely unchanged from previous Final Fantasy titles. It is. It was the most sort of like sci-fi title to date, even though like Final Fantasy VI definitely had some some science fiction elements. Uh, things like airships and whatnot have been around in Final Fantasy for a long time, but this was right. definitely the most like, <laughs> this is a, this seemed to be a very weird statement, like grounded in reality. Yeah, like the, the palette, you can obviously tell that it's a lot more, you know, muted in grays and browns. And sure, sure. Uh, where, whereas previous ones, it's more of like a, it's a little bit more colorful with like a more, you know, knights and princess fantasy type of yeah. aesthetic. And this one is more of like a quote-unquote steampunk aesthetic, even though like, I don't want to put that, this game in a box. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to label that this, um, because it's not, <laughs> but it, I, I, I see the elements of it though. Um, this was the first Final Fantasy game I ever played. I don't know about you guys. The Final Fantasy first, the first Final Fantasy game I played was Mystic Quest. <laughs> so that's not even like a part of the Final Fantasy yeah, numbering. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There, there's a lot of stuff in sort of the Final Fantasy world that falls into the realm of uh, of spinoff uh, and has no direct correlation with yeah. any of the other titles. Like even the main titles have nothing to do with one another. 
Like they're all much, much like your fire emblems uh, and your personas and whatnot. Like Uh, I would hope that that would be obvious at this point because I feel like every single video like review video that's been put out has been like just to let you guys know you know you don't have to play any of the previous ones i'm like i know already like i know i got got that thank you thank you so much uh Um, yeah and uh okay so uh this might make y'all feel a little old but like my first game was not final fantasy 7 um it was final fantasy 10 um I'm so yeah, sorry, I'm Emma. Really it's, fine. it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's fine. It's fine. I was 11 um, when Final Fantasy VII came out. It's cool. <laughs> um, and so I, I did buy Final Fantasy VII for the PlayStation sure. back when it was still like the only thing, only way you could play it. Right. But, oh my God, I, f- I feel so bad. Like, I, I feel like such like a fake fan for, for saying this. But um, so this was back when, you know, Final Fantasy... I think Final Fantasy like 12 came out already. Okay, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to like play this, you know, this, this zeitgeist game. Right. <laughs> and I, I, I care about summons a lot. Okay. <laughs> and, okay. I and mean, beca- Final Fantasy 10, that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and because I, I missed, I missed uh, the Chocobo summon, get, getting the Chocobo summon oh, for Final Fantasy 7. Oh, which is the first one that you get. Yeah. I was so disheartened that I just gave up. Oh, <laughs> but but I finally finished it. I finally oh finished it a year ago. Yay. A year ago, I finished Yay. it on Steam. I was and gonna say, wait, have you not finished it? <laughs> no, I have. Don't worry. Off the, off the podcast, time to beat it. <laughs> You're out of here. Uh, when remakes when remakes happen, I do my homework. Yes, I do my I, homework. Listen, I uh, I I appreciate your diligence. Uh, but again, for those of us that that were uh, the right age for it, shall we say, when it first uh, came out, it won multiple Game of the Year awards and uh, has been credited with boosting PlayStation sales as well as popularizing uh, the JRPG genre, Japanese RPG genre worldwide. Uh, Its success and popularity spanned a multimedia subseries called Compilation of Final Fantasy VII uh, and most recently and relevantly a a full full full-fledged remake uh which is being released on april 10th 2020 officially but uh i don't know i'm hearing rumors we might actually get it a little earlier since they shipped some of the physical copies out early uh in an attempt to make sure that everybody did in fact get it by april 10th uh so shout out to square enix yeah total shout out to square enix i mean definitely amazing Originally, the game was supposed to come out on March 3rd. Uh, and so, I mean, even in, in my mind, I went, well, you know, if it does, it, when they initially delayed it to April 10th, it's like, okay, it's like just over a month. That's fine. Uh, and I was fully prepared for them to say, hey, because of everything that's going on, we're not going to be able to deliver on time. But the fact that they are delivering early and they've already got these physical copies ready to go that just speaks to how done the game really was so to me that says the april 10th date was like we just want to put a little additional polish on it yeah uh Uh, yeah i i also wanted to add that this franchise uh this this property specifically has been so popular that we got crisis core i know and and advent children and the crisis the what was it the the anime service yeah, George of Cerberus. George of Cerberus, thank you. And uh, also the, the oh, anime. the Before Crisis anime. Yes. Yeah, yes. and and the, there was a like uh, a like Case of Denzel anime also where yes, yeah, yeah. One of the versions I I, I owned so many versions of Advent Children. You guys, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen. The I I was a freshman in college. I remember, and a friend of mine uh, 
he got a like bootleg copy of Advent Children somehow. And so we watched it. But since then, I just kept buying it again because there kept being better uh, translations. And then they added right. some footage. And, you know, one of the versions that my brother and I got had both the the like the OVAs that they did. Oh, it was amazing. Oh so listen, yeah. Listen, the piano version of the battle theme when Tifa fights. Yes. The, yeah. Uh, in the, at the church is amazing it's money it's, it's, so, it's so money. Good. Okay. i almost had a panic attack the other day because a friend of mine was like oh i haven't seen it yet and i was like oh let me check my disc to see what languages are on the complete version and i could not find it for a second i was like there's no <gasps> way i do not own this i was like if i don't own this i am a i am a disgrace you're, you're like i'm banning myself from final fantasy 7 fandom forever <laughs> and i successfully found it we're all okay everything's fine everything's fine uh so, so let's talk a little bit about uh the story of final fantasy 7 so it, it takes place Place on what was originally just called the planet, but has retroactively been named Gaia, uh, which is currently dying due to having its life force, aka the life stream, drained out of it and processed into hum a human energy source called Mako. Uh, the game is centered around a group of eco terrorists called Avalanche who are trying to take down the world-dominating Shinra Electric Power Corporation headquartered in Midgar, who are responsible for the conversion of Livestream into Mako. Uh, Shinra is also in the business of creating enhanced humans by exposing them to Mako, most notably their elite military force called SOLDIER, in all caps, uh, in which, uh, of which our central protagonist, Cloud Strife, is a former member, or is he? Uh, there's obviously way, way more to the story than that, but it, it's... It's complicated. That's that's like the the gist of what's going on in at the start of Final Fantasy VII. Anyway, I remember playing Final Fantasy VII for the first time, and and the way and this kind of leads pretty well into talking about some of the gameplay mechanics because you start the story and it's very very linear because you're stuck in one city, and I just remember that moment. And this is spoilers for you know a how old twenty twenty. Three year old, twenty three years, game? yeah, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> twenty three year old game. Uh, that uh, you get to a point on the first disc where you leave Midgar, the the main city you start in, and all of a sudden you're on the world map. And I went, "What the fuck do I do now?" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I was like. I'm completely lost. I need to Google where I'm supposed to go because I forgot already. Dude, well, I was playing in the in the times of uh, of of uh, Brady game strategy guides. Oh my god, I I have <laughs> I still have so many of my Brady game strategy Amazing. guides. Amazing. Yeah, we totally. My brother and I totally had the Final Fantasy VII one. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm the type of. A gamer that that's like I don't want to miss anything. So even though if this spoils a little bit and ruins a little bit of the fun of exploration, I want to get every treasure chest. So sure, totally, Joy. Where do you, where do you fall on the sort of completionist scale? Uh, for Final Fantasy specifically, I cannot beat the game until all my characters are the highest maximum health, nice. <laughs> maximum level, nice <laughs> ultimate nice. weapons, yes. yeah, ultimate weapons, last limits. I can't, yes. I can't yes. move forward. Yes, <laughs> it's, that's why it's so weird because I've been streaming some of the older Final Fantasies, but like I want to tell, I want to show everyone the story. So I'm like playing games. I'm like, this feels weird. This yeah. feels weird. This yeah, feels like, weird. <laughs> I should be spending three hours grinding right now. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, I'm like one of those people. Definitely going to happen with the remake. Oh, no, yeah. if, for, sure. But. Oh, absolutely. for sure. Like, what else are you supposed to do? No, I yeah. remember the first time that uh, that my brother and I beat the game. I, I think our characters were 
God, maybe only level like 50 something. And I'm like, how did we even win? I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So again, Final Fantasy VII, very typical JRPG. Uh, again, eventually you do get to a, a world map situation that has mountains and rivers and, and streams and and basically uh, land masses that prevent you from accessing those areas until you get like vehicles and stuff later in the game. Uh, there's, there's tiny models of towns and cities that you run into and then all of a sudden you're in a whole new set of maps uh, <laughs> that is that town. Uh, and yeah, you've got like turn-based combat, magical abilities, random encounters, weapon upgrades, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. Um, uh, unique-ish to Final Fantasy is the active time battle system that they use for combat, uh, which makes it a little less turn-based. Like, it's still turn-based combat, but you're not right. just waiting your turn. There's, like, like individual turns. Right. Uh, yeah, you're, so you're basically, like, waiting for it to be your turn, and once it's your turn, you have to go because the enemy will continue to attack you if you don't make a decision. So so there's a, there's a little pressure on, on the player to uh, to make decisions. Um, but yeah, it, it, in, in classic JRPG fashion, though, there are uh, side quests and whatnot that you can do and, and mini games. This is very much a uh, explore, find where you're supposed to go next. And here's the next major story event, uh, because truly it is the, the, the you're, you're just sort of running around seeking out the story, if you will. Yes. Quintessential JRPGs. Um, Love yeah, it. it was definitely the first uh, JRPG outside of like Pokemon, which I would put into this category on sort of a a, a, a less intense level. Uh, but Pokemon definitely has some strong JRPG elements. But this was the first like true JRPG that I ever played. Right, um, and it uh, man, it changed it changed the way I played video games forever. I became a total JRPG junkie after this. Uh, so let let's talk about uh, our 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 characters uh today of course uh the first is cloud strife who is uh the, the central protagonist of final fantasy 7 i would say he is uh very antisocial and just kind of bad at communicating uh a, a former soldier again in all caps uh turned mercenary uh who's definitely suffering from some major identity issues uh so at this point in the podcast, if you've never played Final Fantasy VII uh, and you don't want to be spoiled, this might be the time to like skip uh, twenty to thirty minutes ahead till we get to talking about the like Dojinshi that we're talking about today and reading our fanfic because talking about why these characters would be shipped with another one another kind of necessitates us discussing some spoilers. So, but also, it's been. Decades, so yeah, it's been over two <laughs> decades. So if you don't know, now you'll know. Uh, Cloud is very much your like he's he's the prototype Nomura spiky haired antihero boy. Yep, pretty much. Like I'm honestly surprised he doesn't have more belts on him. Um, I know <laughs> belts and zippers and yeah, Squall took them all. Squall. Yep. So I was gonna yep. say, yeah, this was like early Nomura, so the the characters' costumes make more sense. Right. A I'm little gonna, bit more simplistic. Yeah. I'm not going to say way. they make total sense. And also if you look at things like their uh the advent children designs like 
you get more uh, like asymmetrical costume oh, pieces yeah. and zippers, yeah. as you say. Draping, ruching, the whole yeah. bit. Uh, but uh, Cloud is, uh, despite all of all the, the trauma he's suffered and, and issues going on in his head, he's actually like a pretty pretty good person who cares a lot about his friends and also saving the planet. Yeah. So. He's also a, a successful drag queen. Um. Very successful drag queen. Yes. <laughs> that's not even spoiling anything because that's in the trailers for the <laughs> FO7 remake. <laughs> He's booked and blessed. Yes. Booked and blessed. Uh, so moving on to uh, Tifa Lockhart. Uh, Tifa is the the central female protagonist. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now yes. in Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> uh, not even arguably, because the only other person who you might put in that category, spoilers, doesn't make it past disc one. Uh, she is Cloud's uh, childhood friend, quote unquote. So I put that in quotes because uh, they weren't really friends when they were kids. They just like lived in the same town. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the time that we meet her in the game, uh, she is the proprietor of Seventh Heaven, which is a bar slash restaurant that serves as the secret headquarters of the aforementioned Avalanche. Uh, she finds Cloud passed out at a train station and brings him back to the bar and convinces him to help in the reactor bombing mission. That's truly how the game starts. Now that hap- we learn about that later in the game because basically like in the game, you just start and you're in the reactor bombing mission. And one of the things that, again, having played the demo for the FF7 remake that I enjoy is there's more references to her in that first mission going like, hmm, who is this girl? What is their relationship? How did she get him involved in all of this? Et cetera. Right. Um, uh, Tifa is uh, very, very empathetic uh, towards others. She is a pillar of emotional support, but she's not super great at expressing her own emotions, <laughs> which I think is one of the things that I enjoy so much about this character. Uh, many of you who are listening to this podcast may have listened to the episode of Nerd Goat podcast that I uh, was on where you basically talk about your favorite fictional characters. And I did an episode about Tifa uh, because I love her so much. She's so great. So let's, let's talk a little bit about why people might ship these two. Now, obviously I've, I've made copious notes on this because I have thought about this a lot, but Joy, yes. you, you selected this ship. Why is <laughs> mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. your preferred Final Fantasy VII ship? Um, I believe as much as a lot of people think that Aerith changed Cloud, I think Tifa definitely changed Cloud because his attitude and demeanor changed as soon as she became part of the story. And yeah. then it's like, mm, okay, I'm yeah. becoming more humanized the more I hang out with this person. Oh, so, totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when Cloud, like, first meets Aerith right after that first bombing mission, I, I guess, obviously, you, I, and I assume still will, have some control over his dialogue choices. It's, yeah, it, he's still just this sort of, like, aloof, detached, we don't really know what's going on with this guy. And then it's true that when Tifa actually shows up, that we start to see some of that facade come down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uptight. Yeah, totally. Like some could argue that it's because he knows of her from the past. Sure. Some could argue that, but it's just like, I don't know. I think she just has this aura around her that changes Cloud as a person more than uh, Aerith. Yeah. So. And I mean, obviously, as, as you say, the, the two characters definitely have a, a lot of history. Uh, one could argue that the reason that Cloud, even as a kid, set off on his journey to become part of Soldier, which 
again, we're getting into spoilers. He didn't actually succeed in doing that. Uh, right. That that is very relevant, actually, to the ship. Yes. Uh, that that he went off in hopes of doing that, partially to impress Tifa. Because again, they weren't really friends. Because he was he was sort of the weird loner kid, and she was kind of popular. <laughs> I know that's like she was a loser. Yeah, and so that's what that's like. I'm hoping like we get the not a lot of people catch that that ha- how much of a like dorky loser Cloud really is. Yeah, um, and then like they're saying in one of the inside videos for Final Fantasy VII remake, they're like, yeah, we want to adapt that more so people yeah. can understand how much of a like how unsure he is of himself totally and, instead of like oh yeah he's just a cool dude like no he's a no, he's not. he's not <laughs> and that and that's the thing is that you know he he after undergoing some massive trauma he is basically adopting the personality and some of the memories of his friend who was in soldier zach and that it, like he's sort of conflating their two lives and memories and and to that point which is which is not to say that people who are more of cloud Aerith shippers are wrong to ship them it's just that i certainly always interpreted some of his inclination towards her and 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 and, and vice versa her inclination towards him to be part of that zach conflation because zach was Aerith's boyfriend previously yeah, yeah. And, I, and 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 i think that point is also driven across at the end of Advent Children, to be honest. Oh yeah, definitely, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh yeah, I I I I totally agree with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Advent Children's another thing altogether because, so basically, in in the context of the game, I would say that I mean, just to go over some basics, there's a dating mechanic in the like first third of the game. Tifa is one of the characters who you can potentially go on a date with uh, if you are the nicest to her, and you also got to be kind of pretty mean to Aerith to make that. Happen though, I don't know. I feel like I went on a date with Tifa in one of my many playthroughs of Final Fantasy VII uh, when I didn't feel I'd been particular, like I wasn't aiming for that. Um, it just kind of naturally happened because I was really nice to her. And I guess I was nice mm. to her one more times than I was nice to Aerith. I don't know. Uh, but she's one of the characters who you can go on the date with. Uh, I actually think that, like, canonically, it is Aerith and it should be for that portion of the game. Uh, but I, I do remember that the Tifa date, you actually get some really interesting information from because you get more of that leaning into this idea of Cloud. There's something about him that is that is off. The biggest thing, however, is is when Cloud has his like total identity collapse and then they find him later washed up in the live stream in Medeal. It's that whole sequence where Tifa is sorting through his memories with him and helping him discover that he is a person. He is not a Sephiroth clone. Her memories aren't fake. His memories aren't fake. His are just conflated right now. Uh, that, like, for me, playing the first time as a kid really sealed the deal on this being my ship. Because I yes. feel like when I started playing this game, and I don't know if, if, uh, if Joy, you might have had a, a similar experience having uh, experienced it before it was so, so well-known. Um, uh, I remember that I, f- I was totally on board with the the tragic love story idea and the Aerith, uh, you know, dying off really early and Tifa having this sort of unrequited love. But in the Medeal sequence, I went, oh my God, like, no, Cloud and Tifa are totally totally meant to be together and 
they should get a happy ending. I don't know. I just think their relationship uh, to me, of course, makes the most sense because if correct, I mean, anyone can correct me if I'm wrong with this. Even if you do have a chance to date Aerith during that sequence, she spends the majority of the time talking about Zach. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. like, she doesn't even mention like, there's no, no like dating I, yeah, anything. That's, that's the thing is that it, it, it's, and I'll bring this up later to remind me if I forget um, when we're actually talking about uh, the doujinshi that I, I contributed to this episode because <laughs> I found it many moons ago. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, I think there is a layer with Aerith of her being so forward and confident in expressing her emotions almost in a way where I it's where she's like pushing Tifa to like do the same. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Very anime. Yeah. I, I also, I believe just her, I think Aerith as a character always knew her purpose Mm-hmm. And so after, after like all of the past history with Zach, like she had a purpose. So there was no, she, you can never tell for me during my playthroughs that she was ever really interested in like cloud in that. Yeah. Aspect. Yeah. I think I, I, to me, she's always just come across as having a very open flirty sort of personality. Yeah. Um, which I think is fun. Uh, and I, I like that sort of juxtaposition of her uh, being the, the character who is, who would present as your shy, sweet, shrinking sort of character in in her dress and with her basket of flowers and her healing magic. But actually, like, she's very straightforward. Yeah. Uh, whereas Tifa is, is your more, like, tough girl archetype, but she's very, uh, like, reserved emotionally. Yeah. yeah. And I just... Yeah. I like it when uh, archetypes exist, but I get surprised. Um, yeah, but I, but so Chris, you you brought up Advent Children, uh, which was something that I did, of course, uh, want to talk about as well uh, because I I totally dig Advent Children. I don't care if, if that is an unpopular opinion. No, uh, I loved it. I don't think it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, they're living together in Advent Children. Now, granted, it is, if you read the On the Way to a Smile uh, novellas, which take place like in between the end of Final Fantasy VII, the game, and then, of course, uh, the beginning of Advent Children, um, you end up discovering that, oh, okay, so they like opened this new bar that they just also called Seventh Heaven. uh, And then uh, uh, Barrett was living with them for a while, but he like goes off to settles some stuff in his past and just lives far away. And so then after uh, they rescue or, or Cloud finds Denzel at the church, like they end up having this like weird little family unit almost. So uh, I don't know. I, I always interpreted it. And again, um, if you've read the On the Way to a Smile novellas, I know that there are official translations now, uh, but you know, when I when I was a, a youngin uh, scouring the internet to find translations, um, I uh, uh, I came across one translation, actually multiple translations, where there's a scene in what used to be called the case of Tifa, now referred to as episode Tifa, where she is she's they say that she waits to ask Cloud a question until she's positive that he's asleep, and then she asks him the question, which is, "Do you love me?" Um, and he wakes up 
and she's like, oh, I, I said, Marlene, do you, do you love Marlene? Um, uh, which is a, a very Tifa like answer, <laughs> uh, not, not wanting to confront her own emotions head on. Uh, and Cloud's not like surprised that she's talking to him while he's sleeping, which to me implies that they were sleeping in the same bed. Right. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also have, have a point to make um, oh. um, to help solidify this. Okay. Um, <laughs> even though it's not considered canon, I still consider it canon adjacent because yeah. um, in Kingdom Hearts 2. Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> um, like when they have the final scene where you fight Sephiroth and then Cloud steps in because, you know, who cares about Sora at this point? Yeah. And, <laughs> Right, like Tifa is the one that that steps in and is like, no, I'm gonna like this time I'm gonna help you fight Sephiroth. Yes, and she's actually like kind of holding her own ag- against him, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and then she says like this great line, which is like, Cloud, you can you can have my light, and then they go off to and I know. it just it feels like it it helps the point. It's so beautiful. No, I agree. Well, and there's that whole thing in Dissidia as well, where they're actually Ooh. on opposite sides, uh, but then he basically asks for her to be saved and then gets accepted. Like it's again, there there's like Canon adjacent material where like other appearances of these characters where it very much feels like, okay, this, this is the pairing. Cause she's looking for him in kingdom hearts too. Yeah. You know, like Aerith is in the first kingdom hearts, but she's not like specifically linked to cloud's story. Right. I, I was going to also say like, Where's Aerith in this fight? How right. come Aerith isn't coming <laughs> to help Cloud fight Sephiroth? I know, one would think. I mean, she technically is the one that saves the whole damn planet. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, and of course, I, just to, to circle back for a second before we uh, move on to defining the ship, I would be remiss to not answer <laughs> or, or to not bring up, shall we say, the famous scene Uh before the you go into the Northern Crater for the final yes. boss fight yes. uh, beneath the high wind, which the dialogue changes depending on how uh, your relationship has progressed with the secret system that you have you have control over, but you have no way of monitoring um, right. in terms of your affection points with Tifa, where if they are very high, uh, when Cloud is struggling to express himself, Tifa says, words aren't the only way to tell people what you're thinking. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's the, the, the low-key sexiest quote from Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I cannot remember where I read this, and I know I brought it up, uh, I think, on episode zero of this podcast, that the original version of the next morning, rather than it being the two of them sleeping underneath the high wind, it was like both of them coming out of like the chocobo stables on the high wind, one by one. Listen. And Tifa just sort of like sh- shyly looking around. <laughs> Listen. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they originally more hardcore implied that they had, in fact, had sex. Uh, but again, I still interpret it that way. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so Chris, shall we get into uh, defining this ship? Yeah. Um, I have my own theories and okay. it, this was, this one was a little bit tough for me. So I would really love to hear what you think first. I, I really would. I'm really not sure. Cause again, the, like uh, there so, Joy, on our, our first episode of the podcast, we kind of broke down the sort of most uh, prevalent ship dynamics. Um, and every episode, we try to sort whatever ship we're talking about into uh, into one of those categories. But this, this one is... Uh, this is a tough one. This one is a tough one. This is a tough one. 
Um, yeah, because like uh, childhood friends isn't even technically one of the the archetypes because your types of childhood friends vary so much. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like as a as kids, I feel like there's a a, a slight air of delinquent and oblivious nerd <laughs> because like Cloud was kind of the the delinquent kid. Yeah, I mean that that was kind of like what I was thinking. That's what popped into my head first okay. because we because we were because just because we were talking so much about like the inability to properly express to to emote well and to express your feelings. Um, and we went over that in previous episodes. And so that's kind of what made me think of that archetype at first. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not Cinnamon Hothead. It's not, it's, they're not, they're, neither of them are idiots. Neither of them are idiots. Neither of them I would call a ray of sunshine. Nope. Um, I don't know if I would call either of them an emotional dork per se, but I mean, they're dorky in like a certain way. Yeah. So that, that is what I had settled Mm. on is, is I think shy and emotional dork is like the closest we're going to get with Tifa being shy about expressing her emotions specifically. Like she herself is not shy, but there is a shyness about her in the way that she expresses herself or, or, tries to like really open herself up to people. Um, and, and cloud is sort of an emotional dork from the point of view that like, he's like, it, again, it's so, f- one of the things I love so much about the ship is it feels like the tables have turned because it starts oh, yeah. off canonically with him being super into her and her just kind of not noticing. And then the tables totally turn where he maybe isn't, necessarily as like actively into her trying to impress her as he was as a kid but she now is suddenly really into him and doesn't know how to express that and how to let herself be that right see like that's i think that's actually why i was about to say like oh this actually feels like a reversal for the (laughs) delinquent and nerd yeah yeah for sure no i i i think that's fair so Joy, not necessarily fitting it into uh, a, a like ship archetype dynamic. What what is your view of the sort of dynamic of this ship? <sighs> I would say they're both missing pieces of themselves. Like, yeah. Like Tifa fills in the blanks of what Cloud should have and Cloud fills in the blanks of what Tifa should have. Because uh, Cloud's, uh, as weird as this is, Cloud is way more emotional than Tifa. Yeah, and Tifa <laughs> is not, and so it's just like they just fit like puzzle pieces. They just fit. They just fit together. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think this is another because I I talked on the Fire Emblem episode we did about how a lot of the time uh, that the the reason specifically that of all the Fire Emblem ships, particularly if you're if you're specifically talking Byleth and the House Leaders that to me, the Claude ship is the strongest one because you are you have two people who are totally good separate entities, um, but they're better together. And I think that's the same way that I feel about Cloud and Tifa, especially because the game was written in such a way 
as to encourage there to be this love triangle dynamic and these like shipping wars, if you will. I mean, this this is the this is the piece of fiction that taught me what shipping was, quite frankly. Mm. Um, and, uh, and but because of that, they had to write these really interesting independent characters, and they couldn't be characters where the most interesting thing about them was their relationship. They're interesting on their own, but they're even better together. That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Which is which is why I love the ship. It has <laughs> stayed with me for forever. Uh, so uh, let's let's get into uh, to talking about uh, uh, some smut, shall oh, we? Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> I am oh, boy. so excited, oh, Joy, boy. that we we have just opened your eyes uh, to this to this yeah. weird, <laughs> weird dark world. So let me just give you a personal note, y'all, about <laughs> Cloud and Tifa Doshinchi as somebody that has scoured the internet for it because again I love the ship I've loved them for a real long time I had previously as like a teenager found some other good stuff uh, along the lines of what uh, I sent uh, Joy to read uh, that was that was sweet and female gazy but the problem is uh, because of the way that a lot of a lot of lady uh anime characters and, and video game characters were drawn in the 90s. There's a lot of real weird shit out there involving Tifa. Um, <laughs> so you gotta you gotta be careful. Now there was a more recent one that I did come across that was still definitely a little male gazy, uh, meaning the women are more like objectified in it and there's more like shame about enjoying sex like that's that's what i find is is the biggest thing in a lot mm. of these is is that they're mm. if if it is if it's not a weird like sex work or rapey kind of thing a lot of the time if it is sort of a canonical or can canon adjacent pairing there's this whole thing with like the girl characters being shy and feeling like oh i shouldn't enjoy this and um, which is definitely not this fit. Uh, this, right. uh, it's, a, it's a little, right. I know exactly what I know exactly you know what I mean? the that you mean. It's very yeah. like, it's, it's like borderline, basically non-consensual. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's borderline non-consensual stuff. Um, uh, and, and the other one that I was reading that I came across that's very recent because I mean it has the new costume designs in it. Uh, um, was definitely a little bit of that, and it was this, but it did kind of touch on that weird thing that I brought up earlier about like Aerith being really straightforward to kind of get Tifa to try to do the same. <laughs> it was weird. It was right, weird. Right. Uh, but anyway, this this is definitely uh, not that. So this is from uh, an artist called Danger J. I believe that the Dojinshi circle is called Jura. Um, it is not as nicely laid out on some of these sites that have a lot of, you know, heterosexual doujinshi instead of all of our usual uh, yaoi and shonen eye stuff that we talk about here on this podcast. Uh, but it takes place in the Advent Children era, uh, and basically the the plot, thin plot, uh, Marlene and Denzel go out to play, uh, and Tifa decides to take advantage of being home alone with Cloud. Uh, again, I... I came across this doujinshi a uh, number of years ago as I was, you know, scouring <laughs> scouring the internet late at night, like you do, uh, and was absolutely delighted to find it because it falls into uh, one of my favorite categories, which is ladies who decide they want to get some and they get it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, bitch. Yes, bitch. Uh, yeah, the art is very, uh, it's very shoujo. It's like so girly. Listen, I was about to say like, yes. like I, I love that they give Klaus shoujo eyes. Oh my God, it's so, it's so for girls. <laughs> um, Joy, uh, we don't go into like a, a play-by-play while we're talking about explicit material, this podcast is not necessarily explicit in anything other than language, but, but would you like to share your thoughts uh, on on the piece of fiction that we sent your way? Very curious as your first one. (laughs) Um, The weird thing is, is that even reading, well, one, your email was like, it's not safe for work. I was like, okay, cool. And then I was like scrolling. I glanced at it at first. I was like, Oh, that's what she meant. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what she meant. <laughs> but then, like, looking past that, because even, like, when it comes to, like, watching anime in general, like, I'm not, I like, fan service and all this stuff, like, like I don't really, it doesn't bother me, because it's just, yeah, like, yeah. It's, like, it's just, like, whatever. It's, like, it's fine, part of the okay? Show. It's for, it's for a certain type of audience, like, it's whatever, like, I right. really, I really doesn't bother me. So, reading this, it didn't bother me, it just seemed like a cute little a cute little piece of story during yeah. the Avent children era, since they're wearing those, uh, those outfits and then Denzel and Marlene are there. Yeah. So it was just, it was just like a little baby slice of life. Yeah. Like, just like real <laughs> life. It was, it was, it was, it's totally just like sexy slice of life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like this, this covers like a lot of things that I'm into in, <laughs> in, in my smut. It covers yes. um, parental units. Yep. It yes. covers. We talked about this on the, yes. on the Fire of Love episode. I yes. love, I love stories where parental units are still allowed to be sexy. Yes. Um, parental units. Yep. Um, the, the person that you expect to be the, not the sub, not Dami one being Dami. Yes. Yes. Uh, and doing it a little bit in public and hiding yeah, from people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, scene, uh, the scene in the bar. It covers a lot. It's really good. No, it's really good. Uh, I know, I'm like scrolling through it being like, hmm, I bet there are some really nice shots of hands because that's what I'm into. <laughs> Ooh. I do. I love, I love good shots of hands. Yeah, like there's a scene where they're like showering together and she's like, washing his chest. Like that was again, a thing that a friend of mine ooh, um, brought ooh. up. Yeah. That's another thing. Oh, uh-huh. uh, a good, don't, a good shower scene. I, I don't, I don't particularly like it IRL, but yes. Right. In, but in fiction, it's great. Yes, in fiction. Oh, it's so, it's, it's so kind of like sex on the beach seems great in fiction. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I'm not ashamed to say that I love me like, uh, an onsen scene in my yes. porn. Ooh, yes. I'm a big fan <laughs> of an onsen scene for sure. But yeah, again, like it's it's hard to to come across uh, stuff about this or doshinshi for this pairing that's specifically for girls. I'm sure a lot of it exists in Japan, um, but it's just like the stuff that ends up on the internet that's for women for the most part tends to be the yaoi stuff um, as opposed to the headship. So when you when you find when you find a good dojin for a headship that you're into, you you hoard that, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you save that forever. Yes. Uh, and this this is definitely uh, one of those things. Yeah, I just, I love that that Tifa is the one to initiate everything that goes on in this. And Cloud is the one who feels like, I don't know, it feels like we're doing this behind the kids' backs. And oh, and that's another detail that I love about this is when Marlene and Denzel come home at the end and Cloud and Tifa don't respond when they're calling and, and Marlene or one of them's like, you know, we should probably, we should probably go back out. Like they, they need to be alone together. Wow. It's just really cute. It's yeah. cute. I love, I love children who are wise beyond their years. 
Uh, and I, I, I love ladies enjoying themselves, <laughs> 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 which is, uh, which is totally, uh, what this is. So, uh, sh- uh, I think it's time for us to move on and rate this ship. Uh, so on every episode, Joy, we, we rate the ship that we are discussing both canonically, uh, meaning is this canon or how canon is this? Uh, and also personally, this one's pretty easy across the board, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Chris, why don't we start with you? What, what would you rate the ship canonically? Oh, um, let's see. Canonically, I would rate it. Canonically, I would give it like a 10, definitely, because it feels like pretty on the nose, pretty scientific, pretty like nothing else really makes sense, really. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want me to talk about my personal rating later or do you want me to do it Uh, now? Yeah, let's let's do canonical ratings first uh, and then we'll do personal ratings. Uh, Joy, what is what is your uh, canonical rating of this ship? I agree, 10. Yeah. Like the game just points you towards that way. Totally agree. It's definitely a 10. Uh, I think especially some of the supplementary material that we've discussed just really puts the nail in the coffin on this being a 10. Uh, and yeah, 10 out of 10. This ship is canon. Uh, and moving on to your personal ratings. Uh, Joy, you brought this ship yes. to us today. So why don't we start with you on your your personal rating of this ship? <laughs> Well, I don't know if I can go higher than a 10. <laughs> you can but... go higher than a 10. <laughs> I've definitely done it before. Just, I don't know, like a hundred out of 10. Yeah. Because it just, it just makes the most sense. And like, like even talking about it today just gets me even more excited to see how it's going to be portrayed voice acted. Yeah. Because like, we got barely voice acted in Advent Children. So I'm just like, <gasps> I'm really to see like in facial yeah, expressions right. and all that yeah. stuff. So I'm like, I'm just, yeah. I want to see if, because all piece of media is, of course, especially back in the day when you're reading it or whenever you experience Final Fantasy VII, you see it your way. That's why mm-hmm. ships and all this stuff happen. Sure. But like we're actually going to be playing this game where it's clear. It will be super yeah. clear about their faces, with their tones of voice and just all of that stuff. So like I'm really excited to see if if our canon <laughs> ship is actually mm. going to be portrayed as canon. Mm. Chris, where do you stand on the personal level? Okay, so um, personally, I would say okay. It's like you a five, and be- it's, it's it's like a five, but but oh, it's, it's because it's okay. because I really really like watching um, Cloud and Zach. Ah, uh, okay. That's why. All right. Listen, I'm da- I'm definitely down to cover that ship because I don't hate it. I like, don't I, it. <laughs> like I really, I really like the idea of Cloud being like, like I look at Cloud almost in the same way I look at Geralt from Witcher. We're like, Ooh. we're like, if it was up to me and I was writing it, like, like you're so like you know grizzled and seasoned by war that like you should just be like open to everything. Whatever. Yeah, that's how I feel about you know? Geralt. Also, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should just be open to everything. I also have a lot of personal feelings about how. Geralt specifically is a character that I would like to sleep with because I feel like he takes care of his partners. Oh, <laughs> mm. And you see it very often in the game. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, uh, for me, obviously, this is like a thousand out of 10. But, but as, I, as I mentioned previously, uh, this this is the, the ship that introduced me to shipping. Um, I, because uh, again, they they definitely 
even though, yes, I, I totally think that the way the game ends and then based on the supplementary materials that Cloud and Tifa is definitely the canonical end game ship. The game was written in such a way as to portray this idea of a love triangle and to leave it up to the interpretation of the person playing the game, whether you were into to Aerith or Tifa, uh, with <laughs> with Sephiroth and Zach being, you know, oh, outlier wild cards. Uh, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of material for that, but yeah. Uh, again, I just I think I identify so much with the character of Tifa that it was it was this revelation to me that this that this woman character who was so smart and and capable and uh in many ways confident even though she is you know lacks self-confidence when it comes to her personal relationships um could right. like have it all but i think that 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 complexity is what makes her interesting right yeah. like, oh definitely mm-hmm. yeah. yeah because like it's it's not interesting to have a character that's like completely incompetent in everything and, so, yeah. and overly demure or like it's just good at everything. And it's like to the point they're almost not human. No, totally. Well, and that's why, you know, when we were talking about what ship dynamic is this, like you can't put this into a virtuous ray of sunshine uh, category because Tifa isn't a virtuous ray of sunshine at all. Yeah. She, she has her own baggage and yeah, everything. She definitely does. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that, that I think is uh why I just, this, this ship just resonates with me so much. It was the first time I felt like I was involved in, in like fandom. Uh, I think I might've drawn some Sailor Moon and Pokemon fan art outside of this, but I definitely drew Final Fantasy VII fan art. I wrote Final Fantasy VII fan fiction. Like I was all in on this. Um, and I remain that way to this day. And I, I am so, so excited to see how this all plays out in the remake. Cause like you say, Joy, now we're going to actually be able to see facial expressions and and hear intonation in the voice um, that isn't just me reading the whole game out loud for my brother, which I definitely did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I have a, such a, a personal relationship with this ship uh, that it's, it's kind of my like OTP to end all OTPs, <laughs> you know? Uh, Chris, I think it might be time for uh, what's truly my favorite part of this oh, it, podcast. It is 100% my favorite part. <laughs> Uh, which is our fanfic challenge, 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 challenge. Um, yes. So, so we, we made the offer to joy, uh, if she wanted to participate in this and you said, no, I'm good. (laughs) Well, I'm terrible at writing. Like I have ideas and uh, trust me, I've tried back in the day. (laughs) I remember, I think I've tried writing one for, uh, it's like not final fantasy really. I was trying to write like a a captain America one. And then I just could not get dialogue. And I remember when I was in film school, they're like, oh, all of your characters sound like they're coming out of a woman's voice or a woman's tone. I was like, I don't know. I am a woman. (laughs) (laughs) So I just gave up on dialogue. I was like, I'm done. (laughs) Uh, Listen, it's fine. Dialogue is hard to write. It's really hard to write. It's a little more forgiving, I think, writing dialogue in the... uh, uh, in the context of prose, like novels, short stories, fan fiction, et cetera, uh, writing dialogue in screenplays, especially because it is being spoken out loud. Sometimes you hear it spoken out loud and you go, oh, no, nope, people do not talk that way. Um, so what I'm saying, Joy, is you're probably not as bad at writing as you think you are. In fact, I'm sure you're not, but feel free. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm, 
I don't, I do not have the level of experience that Emma does. <laughs> <laughs> you also don't have the number of years of life that Emma does. Oh, so old. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> I did. I'm calling myself out here. Y'all know how old I am now. I said I was 11 when Final Fantasy VII came out. So there we go. Um, okay. So, uh, but what I'm saying, Joy, is that feel free to react heartily uh, yes. to these fanfics. You do not need to sit silently. Uh, Chris, would you like to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, no, I, I feel like I should go first and, okay. and end with you since you, since like you have like, I, I really respect like the, the deep level of connection that you have. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. I, I also just want to preface this by saying that it was very hard to write a heterosexual relationship for the first time. <laughs> Um, I'm just kidding. Well, because you're kidding. listen, if you're into Cloud Zack, I understand. It's hard to write about a ship that you're not into when one of the people that you're not specifically into when one of the people involved in the ship you like with another ship. I totally get it, man. Totally get it. I, I'm totally joking. But, uh, okay, so here we go. Here we go. Here we go. The stars surround the high wind as it hovers what seems like light years above civilization. Tifa and Cloud are both leaning over the bow, waiting for the team to decide whether or not to let Cloud still lead them after what happened at the Temple of the Ancients. Tifa, it wasn't your fault. You know that, right? Yeah. You sound like you don't believe it at all. Cloud doesn't reply this time and turns around facing outward of the ship, as if spiting Tifa for calling him out. Cloud, answer me. You should stay away from me. A long pause. What did you just say to me? I'm dangerous. No. I can't lose you again. A metallic claim booms across the deck of their skybound home. Cloud pivots ready to unsheathe his sword, but it wasn't a beast. It was Tifa in tears next to a spot on the railing that was dented in with the shape of her fist. Without saying a word, Tifa walks up to Cloud, pins him right where the port side and starboard meet and kisses him. In that moment, their childhood memories of each other rush through their minds in tandem. Cloud reaches up to caress Tifa's face. She gently but sternly holds his hand down and uh, on the part of the railing that's still intact. Tifa puts her other hand on Cloud's zipper, still shivering at the thought that she was finally acting on the desire she's held back for so long. That night, they were both thankful that Sid didn't install security cameras yet. <laughs> but like, he wouldn't though. Like, that, that totally checks out for me. <laughs> That's some, even though I feel like he's like fiercely protective of his shit, uh, that's something that would slip his mind. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> the part about the zipper, I was like, but which one? <laughs> oh, no more. Leaving right. it up to your imagination. I love it. I love it. Okay. Uh, here we go. Tifa Lockhart was nothing if not exceedingly good at managing expectations, specifically her own. So even when Cloud had asked for only one room at the Inn in Nibelheim, she still didn't count on anything transpiring between them other than sleeping together in the most literal sense of the term. It's not like the Inn could have necessarily accommodated them if they'd asked for separate rooms anyway, considering how very small it was. It was strange being back in this perfect facsimile of a town she'd known so intimately that she'd watch burn to the ground. She wasn't entirely sure why they'd come here, but the party had temporarily dispersed to tie up loose ends, she supposed and they weren't so wrong to think there might be something left to resolve here. Though she'd found nothing of real value, she did admit to feeling some relief at seeing the Shinra employees planted there, now dropping the everything's okay and nothing bad ever happened here facade and behaving as normally as anyone could, following a total governmental collapse and narrowly avoided world-ending catastrophe. 
Tifa, Clad said gently, drawing her out of her thoughts, and she was suddenly aware of the cool, damp spot on her neck where his mouth had been. He lay beside her on the bed, his hand resting on her stomach, having abruptly stopped its exploration of the skin beneath her shirt. Are you all right? We don't have to do this if you don't want to. Tifa laughed. She was so accustomed to occupying her mind with anything to distract her from not getting what she wanted, she'd forgotten to be present even now that she was. <laughs> no, of course I want to, she objected playfully. This is the first time we've been alone in over a week. I just can't seem to stop my mind from wandering. Cloud shifted above her, pressing her knees apart and settling into the newly created space between her thighs. He craned his neck downward and kissed her hard, a hand settling on the back of her head, drawing them closer together. He came up for air, breathless, cheeks flushed, lips swollen. Then let me make it stop. That's it. Mm. <laughs> I'm just going to take a sip of water right now. <laughs> Listen, I have written this shit before. Uh, yep. I was like, you could definitely see the experience in that. I was like, and then what happened? Like, <laughs> and what, then what? What's next? Like, what? Wait, what? Hold on. Listen, I, I am nothing if not good at imagery, uh, as previously established on this Oh, podcast. my God. So great. Oh, man. Joy, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. For, yeah, for this, thank you for this, having me. This little romp. Uh, what? Uh, so what have you got going on these days? Obviously, uh, just to to address uh, what's happening, we're all we're all in, in quarantine right now. Uh, so that can be a little limiting. But Joy, you're you're a woman about the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as of now, I'm just waiting for Final Fantasy VII Remake, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing a lot of video games, playing through Persona 5 until the 10th. <laughs> yep. And then making a hard switch for who knows how long, but that and, is... Uh, and and uh, where can people find you uh, on the internet to keep up with your, your various internet endeavors? Uh, I use mainly Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube, and it's Curious Joy everywhere. Way to keep it consistent. Yeah. Uh, Thank you all so much uh, for listening to this podcast and for, you know, going on this journey with us as we make the adjustment to uh, trying to do this remotely. Uh, It's, you know, it's not quite the same as being there in person, but at least thanks to technology, we are able to make it happen. So, uh, Chris, what's happening with with you right now? Anything you want to share? Um... Your switch coat? You playing Animal Crossing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing Animal Crossing. Um, hit your boy up because he could uh, use some tarantulas. Um, <laughs> I caught two last night. I was so proud of myself. Listen, I had to turn it off today because there's a new update and there's like balloons nonstop, and it started giving me anxiety because I was like, I can't miss a balloon. And I was like, No, no, I must, I must. I gotta step away. Yeah, um, but uh, I do hope on starting to to stream myself next week hopefully um and uh but other than that um keep supporting this podcast thank you so much absolutely no totally uh yeah i i am streaming on my twitch channel uh most weekdays starting at noon pacific time that's just twitch.tv slash emma fife uh if you want to come hang i'm also gonna play the final fantasy 7 remake because Duh. Uh, duh. Uh, but uh, but yeah, most importantly, make sure that you are following uh, this podcast at NSF Weebs Pod. Uh, you can also email us at NSF Weebs Pod at gmail.com. Um, send, you know, we've been asking, send us your fanfics. If you write sexy fanfics that, that are like 
PG-13 sexy, like the ones we write for the show. Yeah. Now, short, maybe maybe we'll have an episode where we can uh, read some of them out. Right, fun. and and also, if you have suggestions for ships that you want us to cover, please let us know. Uh, I recently put out a call on the oh, yeah. podcast account, and we got some good ones. I saw some really good responses on there, ones that I would put on my personal list of things I want to talk about anyway. Absolutely. Uh, including things like uh, Tomoyo and Sakura from oh, my Park God. Sakura. Uh-huh. Oh, so good. She, she Tomoyo just deserves all the good things in life. And she, she just really doesn't. does. She's a, she's a little precious angel baby. Uh, yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we will be back soon with, with more sexy anime things. That's how we do. Sexy <laughs> anime things. The, the alternate name of this podcast. Exactly. <laughs>